Welcome to Stacking M's, the podcast where we talk about marketing, money, and mindset because stacking millions won't happen without a consistent focus on those things. My name is Tara Payton. I'm a marketing expert and coaching consultant who spent 14 years working with major corporations and Fortune 500 companies, helping them with their marketing to make them millions. So this podcast is a place for me to help product-based and consumer business owners like you learn how to optimize your marketing to make more, learn how to leverage your money, and how to invest to grow your business. Also, we're talking about how to make sure your mindset is always elevating so you can actually enjoy this ride. Turn up the volume, prepare to take some notes, and get ready to really stack those M's. So welcome to another episode of the Stacking M's podcast where we focus on marketing, money, and mindset. I'm Tara Payton, marketing consultant and business coach, and I am here with a very special guest, Megan Young-Gamble, okay? Expert product packaging extraordinaire. Um, Megan, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. I yes. really appreciate it. Um, so let's jump into it. How did you get into product packaging? Oh, such a good question. So I had the opportunity to work in the health, beauty, and wellness company based here in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I was actually serving as a product project manager for um, two in-house brands at that time. I was managing all their product launches, having different schedule, different cadences, and different placements mm -hmm. in the different market. So then I was promoted to senior project manager and then eventually to operations manager to actually understand the logistics side of it with contract manufacturers and vendors, as well as the products that were launching to market. But in that role as a project manager, packaging was my main responsibility. Mm. So understanding um, proper placement of products, knowing what market it was going to, which country, regulatory, redesign, anything you could think of from packaging execution for it to be on the placement of the shelf is mm -hmm. what I was responsible for. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got started um, in it. And there's a lot that's required of producing packaging that a lot of people don't understand and don't realize that I wanted to be able to bring my expertise and knowledge to share that with startup and legacy brands mm -hmm. to help pimp their packaging from conception to distribution to the retail shelf. So it's funny you said pimp your packaging. Before we started, Megan was just telling me that she has a grill. So like, I'm just, I'm gonna bring it full circle, right? Megan has a grill. I have on a shirt that obviously has on a grill. Yes. And she's talking about <laughs> pimping packaging, right? So what does pimping packaging mean? Absolutely. So with my practice, Gill Level Consulting, we are an operations management firm that helps deliver packaging solutions to startup and legacy brands to help pimp your packaging from conception to distribution to the retail shelf. And we do that so we can help take the frustration out of the developments and input of packaging so brands can focus on building and growing their brands while me and my team handle the execution aspect. Mm -hmm. Pimp Your Packaging is my practice proprietary four-step approach to actually handle all the inputs required for the development of packaging. So when people see the shiny, pretty things on the shelf, they don't realize that it takes a lot of planning to mm -hmm. execute that. They don't realize the steps that are required for implementation or even how to monitor those tasks and even preparation for launch. Mm -hmm. So PIMP is, a four, is an acronym. So okay. P stands for plan. 
So understanding the different aspects, so such as your competitive analysis, what does your brand represent, marketing strategy and such, that is essential to have in, during the planning phase. Mm -hmm. um, I stands for implementation. So once you actually determine the right strategy, how do you go about implementing those steps? So that's where the execution tasks really come in. Mm -hmm. um, M stands for monitoring. So once you actually have things in the works, so if you're working with the contract manufacturer and they're in their production for fill and assembly, that is where you're monitoring that task and making sure all those efforts are gonna be produced correctly to then get you to the last P of prepare for launch. Mm -hmm. So whether that's for retail readiness, DTC, um, direct to consumer, Amazon, FBA, whatever the case may be, we help you with that full strategy utilizing our four-step approach, pimp your packaging. I love that. I love that there's an acronym. I just thought you were just saying pimp because you had a grill. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, if I had my grill, I'd be pulling it all out right. and stuff. So. so I love that that acronym. And I have, a, I have a ton of questions in my head, so bear with me here. Okay. Um, you mentioned packaging for direct-to-consumer, Amazon, in-store. Is there a difference between those packaging? Oh. Those packages? Yes, okay. it is. And that's something that really needs to be term determined at the beginning of cre creating your product. Mm -hmm. So if you're creating a product and say, for instance, it's a vitamin C serum, mm -hmm. you can't know where you want to have it be launched if you don't know where you plan on selling it. So if you want to sell on Amazon, then that's a different type of approach than what you would take for having the product be placed into Target or Ulta, Kohl's, Macy's, etc. Mm -hmm. So understanding the strategy behind it and where you want your products to be available at is really mm -hmm. important because then it goes to understanding how to develop that packaging, understanding if it's FBA, frustration-free packaging, or anything of that sort, is different type of packaging requirement and guidelines than packaging that's produced for Target or mm -hmm. for Ulta. So definitely a lot of things to think about because you have to think about regulatory, you have to think about sizing. Mm -hmm. Amazon frustration-free packaging and FBA have certain size restrictions. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Ulta Kohl's, depending upon your shelf placement, they're gonna let you know how much space you have for that, which is known as your packaging footprint. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different um, things to produce the packaging um, and different requirements. Um, to actually help with the execution of it. But yes, they're all different, mm -hmm. um, but that's where you have to understand where you want your product to be placed mm -hmm. to then make it make sense. Okay, so for someone who is starting a business, right? They're starting their brand, they've made some products. At what point should they invest in the packaging that you are talking about? Because I work with, with a lot of entrepreneurs that may, you know, print, hand print mm -hmm. or get them printed somewhere and just mm -hmm. buy some bottles and fill their product like that. Mm -hmm. From your perspective or from your expertise, excuse me, at what point should they be reaching out to someone like you to get their packaging done? Great question. At the beginning of development of the product, mm. even if it's just an idea, Mm -hmm. Understanding packaging and speaking with experts such as myself and my team is important to execute at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Reason being is because, number one, we have to understand what does your brand represent? What is your values? What is your ethos? How does it align? How is it going to resonate with your end consumer? Mm -hmm. Two, depend upon which market you are going to be launching that product in. So if it's Amazon, if it's in a retail, big box store, DTC, through your e-commerce site, et cetera, those different things have different packaging requirements. Mm. So we need to capture those things up front so it can be inclusive in your strategic plan, mm -hmm. which a lot of product-based businesses don't think about strategic plans mm -hmm. at all. But if you're not doing it, you need to have a strategic plan for product-based businesses. I don't care what it is. 
Um, she said it. <laughs> I've been saying it forever yes. and ever and ever, but y'all heard it from somebody else today, okay? You need to have a strategic plan. Yes, you need to because how are you going to know what the end goal is going to be if you don't have a plan? Mm -hmm. And then knowing how to execute it. Mm -hmm. So these are questions that I ask my clients. And so I tell people, we meet you right where you are, but we always encourage to actually have us be inclusive in those plans up front. So that way we can help you with having the right packaging strategy for your brand based upon the market and placement mm -hmm. of your product as well. Mm -hmm. So this is making me go back to a time when I was working for L'Oreal and I worked in the DMI, which was the product development, essentially. Mm -hmm. DMI stands for something for French. Yeah. Something <laughs> French. I don't remember. But um, one of the things, and this is probably why I hate the product development stage of okay. like products. One of the things I used to have to do was I would have to read through all of the packaging. Mm hmm and get it proofread by all the countries. Mm -hmm. So there were like 20 different iterations, mm -hmm. 20 different languages, mm -hmm. and I had to proofread that fine print to make sure that everything was up to standard. And I remember like all the codes and stuff yeah. like that for packaging. So packaging is not just, oh, I'm gonna slap my name on this label. Like there are lots of things. So when she's talking about regulations yes. and different things like that. These are the things that Megan is referring to. Absolutely. And even if you're a startup brand, you know, start implementing some of these best practices that corporations do, such as L'Oreal, Maybelline, CoverGirl, et cetera, into your business model now. Mm -hmm. Because you're not trying to just be where you're at currently for the rest of your life. If you do, that's cool too. But a lot of us are in the business and doing things to be generating income for whatever our why is. So start incorporating a lot of these best practices now mm -hmm. um, into your business. So I don't care if you're launching with 50 pieces, you still need to be thinking about how your product is gonna be compliant. So if you are ready to pitch to Sephora or go into Target for Founders, which the application um, recently closed or an accelerator program, you are already having those things captured appropriately mm -hmm. and it's compliant so when you go and pitch, you don't have to possibly go back to redesign and be updated and spending more money and extending your lead times for products being created. So mm. it's a whole strategy behind it. But yes, packaging is more than just putting a label on a bottle or just putting your logo on um, on a subscription box mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's a lot of things that are required to think about mm -hmm. to execute it, to then have the product be available to the consumer in the market. So essentially what you're saying is start with the end in mind. If yes. you know that you want to get into Target, you know you want to get into Sephora, et cetera, yes. start with that end in mind and not just, okay, I'm going to just slap this label yes. on there, right? Yes. Um, so from that standpoint, with them starting with the end in mind, I I'm curious to know how many of your clients, like what percentage of your clients actually come to you because they have not started with the end in mind and mm. they're trying to correct something because they have an opportunity to get into Sephora Ooh. or a retailer, right? And then the second part to that question is, what's the difference in cost and coming in on the back end when you need to make a correction versus doing it up front? Like, is it cheaper to do it up front and have it prepared or is it like yeah. the same? But yeah. Oh, those are good questions. Um, so let's start with the first part. Um, so, okay, I'm sorry. Remind me the first part of the question again, because um, I was thinking of the last part. Thinking so, with the end goal in mind. Right, so thinking with the end in mind, 
What percentage of your clients come to you because they have an opportunity and they need to correct their packaging? So good question. About 50% of clients actually come to me because they realize that they've pitched to Target or whatever store it may be, and now they have to go back and do a lot of things. So whether the packaging, the primary packaging, so primary packaging is anything housing the product. Mm -hmm. So your tubes, your bottles, your toddles, jars, etc. So they realize that sometimes with the retail placement or big box stores or even boutiques, that primary packaging is not conducive, it's not gonna be resonated well from their consumers. So a lot of times when clients come to me, we're having to do a lot of corrective action because mm -hmm. of that. Um, now, second part of your question, you know, in reference of the investment, it is better to capture these things up front because when you're going through and you've already bought stock packaging, you've already printed your labels, you pitch into whoever it may be, even local boutiques and such, a lot of times they're gonna tell you what is gonna resonate for mm -hmm. their consumers based upon that market and more. But a lot of times they tell you what is, they're not gonna, they're not able to take it because the packaging may be too big, I can't mm -hmm. understand, or I can't read the labels, I don't know if this type of product is really conducive or a good fit into my product or boutique. So a lot of those things we actually look at and it becomes more costly to the brands mm. because one, they've already invested into the packaging, they've invested into creation of the products or the formulations. They possibly worked with somebody previously. So they're now like, I've already spent the, spent the money or mm. the investment rather, but now I have to go and spend some more to get my stuff properly packaged for those corrective actions which then leads to additional investment. Mm -hmm. So it's always better to, of course, think with the end goal in mind, but incorporate those at the beginning of your development. So you're not incurring more costs, additional lead times. Lead time is the duration of time from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, and then also thinking about the end goal in mind. So I would say 50% clients come to me for corrective mm -hmm. action. But then a lot of times, if you don't come to me in enough time, you could be spending a lot more money on the back mm -hmm. end because we're having to do a lot of corrections for your product packaging for placement. How long does it take from start to finish? Oh, good question. It varies. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say it varies um, for creation of a product is because it depends upon who you're working with. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. If you're working with a private cosmetic chemist, they're creating your formulation. Mm -hmm. They're then saying, okay, your formulation is completed after I go through stability testing. Stability testing is where you're actually testing your formulation in glass packaging to make sure that it is stable. And you have to do that for a minimum of three months for mm -hmm. just stability. And that's for a non-OTC or a drug product. OTC and drug products have a longer testing period because you have to obtain the expiration date mm -hmm. on it. But that's a whole nother segment. Um, but if you're working with a private cosmetic chemist and they go through testing, your ideation and the formulation on average could take anywhere from six to 12 months or even longer, mm -hmm. depending upon what type of product you're creating. Two, understanding the testing phase, stability testing, minimum three months if it's a non-OTC or drug product. If it is a drug product or OTC, such, such as sunscreen or acne products, then your testing phase, you have to have minimum of one year real-time read just to make sure that you're able to capture the data and then be able to get your proper expiration date. Um, and then you also have packaging compatibility testing. So if I worked with a private cosmetic chemist and I wanna have my formulation be housed inside of a 
a tube, for instance, a PET tube with the airless pump or whatever, then I have to still go through testing, which is separate of stability testing. So that's minimum three months. Mm. So I'm sharing all of this to say it can really vary. And we haven't even gotten to, if you're working with a contract manufacturer, line trials, pilot batches, um, filling assembly, um, sourcing of your packaging. But if you look at the full picture, on average, it could take minimum 12 months mm -hmm. of creation of your product. But that's where it's really important to understand that end goal in mind. So mm -hmm. one of the seven highly effective habits, excuse me, one of the seven habits of highly effective people to really incorporate that as part of your strategic plan to then make sure you have enough time to buffer in all of the checkpoints and milestones to create your products. Mm -hmm. But minimum 12 months, mm -hmm. um, it could be longer, it could be shorter, just given the nature of the product that's coming to market, but minimum 12 months, mm -hmm. I would say. So what have you found to be the biggest misconception about product packaging and its importance? Oh, that I shouldn't have a budget for packaging. That, mm. you know, um, packaging is something that everybody should see. It's shiny, it's pretty, all of those fun things. And that's beautiful because it definitely contributes to the sensory experience of mm -hmm. packaging. However, a lot of brands and a lot of companies that I work with, I ask them what is their budget based upon the scope of the project. And a lot of times they're not able to give me a budget. Mm. So when they say, I want to have this, just say, for instance, a very luxury box that's similar to Louis Vuitton, but yet I have the budget of, let's just say, um, Steve Madden, mm. it, it's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Because you say you want luxury, but then your budget doesn't support that. Mm -hmm. So then let's look at alternative options that would be more accommodating to your budget. But a lot of times brands don't have the budget. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they don't understand what's involved to go into a budget. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really educate my clients to really understand the importance of total cost of goods, um, TCOGs, but including, including packaging as part of your TCOGs. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not thinking about or having a budget for packaging, then you could be impacting your profit margins. You could be sourcing things that are way outside of your budget mm -hmm. um, and also not conducive for your brand at this at this moment. Mm -hmm. But make it make sense, you right. know, for your brand at right. the end of the day. Um, but that's the biggest misconception is that you should not have a budget for packaging. That's only one misconception. Mm -hmm. We could go through a laundry list, but that's just one that I would say is the biggest one. That How much out. should people budget for their packaging? Good question. So goes back to your cost. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of things goes into development of your cost. So one, when you think about your TCOGs, total cost of goods, you need to be thinking about um, your product formulation. Mm -hmm. So creating your product Two, your packaging. So thinking about all the packaging aspects. So primary packaging was housing your product, secondary packaging that is actually applied onto your primary. So labels, et cetera, or product boxes. Mm -hmm. um, if you have product boxes, shipping boxes, all of that is packaging that needs to be included. And then third, you need to be thinking about your transportation. What is the transportation mode? Mm -hmm. Because that definitely impacts your profit margin. And I tell people, if you're offering free shipping and you are only charging $20, but your total cost of goods is 17, you're not making any money. Mm -hmm. So free shipping is probably not advantageous for you, for your brand, mm -hmm. but it has to make sense. But to answer your question, it really varies depending mm -hmm. upon the budget. But normally in my course, I talk about and give some pointers of a recommended percentage mm -hmm. to allocate towards packaging. And normally I would say about 20% of your investment, and that can definitely vary. But I would say start there. Mm -hmm. So that way you know how much you need to be properly allocating towards packaging and then thinking about your total cost of goods to make sure that it makes sense and it's also giving you enough profit margin as well. What are three 
things off the top of your head that people need to make sure that they include in their packaging? Oh, number one, please have your information of your company. That is your distribution information. Mm. I see a lot of brands who miss this. So when pe when consumers purchase the product and they're ready to re-up, they mm. don't know where to go and re-up on. Mm. So that's the first thing. Two, if you are um, if you're utilizing labels for your on your primary packaging as part of your brand, please ensure that you are using a permanent adhesive label, especially if you have products that are housed in the shower, in the bath, or any type of oil. Mm. Reason being is because those labels peel off. When that label peels off, I don't know who the hell you are right. when that label peels off. I don't know. I can't remember who I, who I pur purchased this from, where I got it from. Is it mm -hmm. Target? Was it online? Was it a new brand? Was it during Black Friday? Whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So please ensure that you're utilizing permanent adhesive labels so your consumers know how to get back in contact with you. Mm -hmm. And that's where, going back to point number one, having your distribution information on there is important. What do you mean by distribution? Like their website? So great question. So distribution information, if you look at, if you bought any new product, and you look at the backside of that product you purchased. So let's say, for instance, Fenty Skin. Mm -hmm. If I bought Fenty Skin, I look on the backside of the packaging, you're always going to see on the lower bottom side distributed by, one, that company name, mm -hmm. number two, where they're located, number three, if they're selling products internationally, like in Canada, in the UK, Australia, et cetera, you're going to have what's called your Biorius um, address. So that's where they're actually helping you with getting your products placed overseas and making sure that it's compliant as well as knowing what city you're located in. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course you can include your website, your you know different icons and stuff like that relative to your brand. But please ensure that you're including that because this missed opportunities mm -hmm. for a lot of brands, especially when you're going to expos and a lot more brand, a lot more consumers, excuse me, are looking more into indie brands mm -hmm. that they want to patronize. But they don't know how to go back and get more mm -hmm. until you know, because they lose the labels from mm -hmm. the primary packaging. They don't have the company's information on there. And then the third thing I would say, um, probably the three and four things, is that third thing is they don't have product weights. So a lot of times I'm seeing mm -hmm. brands who are not specifying product weights. That is a regulatory compliance thing one-on-one -on -one for packaging. You need to be specifying to your consumers um, how much product is inside of the packaging. So that's, you, you need that to be compliant with who? Who's the regulatory body? Oh, that's a good question. So pretty much if you're looking into big box brands, mm -hmm. you have to specify that. Mm -hmm. Even if you're on direct um, DTC, e-commerce sites, et cetera, they're going to ask you how much product is inside of this inside of your primary packaging. Mm -hmm. Even when you go to product photography, it is going to display how much weight is inside of that primary packaging. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you incorporate that, but the regulatory bodies, it really varies depending upon the placement of it. If I'm in a local boutique, they're going to want to still know how much product is inside this packaging. Mm -hmm. If I'm in Target, every product that's on Target is going to, in Target, excuse me, is going to specify how much product is inside that packaging. If I go to Macy's, it's going, any product I buy from a perfume, anything, mm -hmm. it's going to specify how much product is inside of that packaging. Mm -hmm. But a lot of indie brands are missing those opportunities by not disclosing that and think that, oh, I just need a product name and the scent. And mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. But they're not specifying the product weights. So as a consumer, if I'm paying $40 for this vitamin C serum based upon the product weight, is it one ounce? Is it two ounces? Right. I'm looking at the value from a consumer standpoint to make sure that the investment that I'm paying for for this product matches up with the product that's inside of it. Mm -hmm. So is it one ounce? Is it two ounces? Is $40 conducive for my budget for this 
you know, for this product. So those are three things I could go on and on and on. But mm -hmm. I would four, say because you said three, four, give me four. What's okay. Me so four? the fourth thing is not disclosing um, some of the key ingredients and in application on the product packaging. Let's talk about this. Yes. <laughs> because y'all. Okay. Let's talk about this. I work with a lot of clients and sometimes I would say more often than not, they are afraid to put their ingredients on their packaging. Mm. Right. And they're like, somebody's going to steal it. They're going to know what's inside. And my feedback is always, you know, there are people who have allergies and I'm sure that that's something mm. that you deal with, with the packaging. Yes. Right. So you have to think from the standpoint of people who have allergies, um, you have to think from the standpoint of people wanting to know transparency is a big thing in this industry. Right. Mm -hmm. So being transparent about what is in your products. But the other thing is half the time people don't be wanting to put the ingredients on their packaging and they ain't show, sold anything yet right so it <laughs> and then also you know putting the ingredients on your packaging i always say this is not giving up the secret sauce to how you actually create it especially if you're creating it at home by hand and things like that so let's talk about putting the ingredients on the packaging. I yes. gave a little bit because I always am like, put them, put that on there. Like, ain't nobody, ain't nobody yes. gonna know how you mixed it up, blended it up. Half right. y'all selling the same stuff anyway. Fact. But <laughs> um, talk about the importance of having the ingredients on the label and what that does for your brand. Absolutely. So good point of mentioning that consumers are really educational they're information hungry mm -hmm. and a lot of consumers are more intentional about the type of products that they utilize mm -hmm. including ingredients so if go i want everybody to go and research the fair packaging label care act mm -hmm. um 1964 1967 don't hold me to the year but they're going to specifically specify to you the why the ingredients should be listed on there as well as your product weight and all those other things but ingredients are important because number one is to let me know as a consumer if i'm allergic to something if i'm able to utilize something if i need mm -hmm. to do a skin patch test before i utilize a product and more two if you're stating that you're vegan friendly or all natural derived or whatever the case may be i'm going to look at those ingredients and be able to see if you're actually um if those ingredients align to those free of claims that you're specifying so mm -hmm. vegan um all those things third it's regulatory it's compliance so you want to make sure that you're including your ingredient list on all product packaging i don't care if you're making it at home um, or if you're working with a contract manufacturer, it is required to put on your product packaging. And third, if you see that a brand does not list their ingredient listing, it is missed opportunities. Mm. It is missed opportunities because one, if a brand or retail, a lot of retailers are looking for indie brands right now um, to be housed on e-com, to be housed inside of their store and more. Mm. But if you're not including the ingredient list um, on the products, how can they actually determine if you're gonna be a good fit for their market? So it's a missed opportunity there. Second thing is missed opportunities with your audience. Mm -hmm. So if I'm looking for a new um, hydrating lotion that has SPF in it, SPF 30 or whatever, I want to look at those key ingredients because what if I'm allergic to titanium oxide mm -hmm. that's inside of, inside of a sunscreen and I need a different type of active that's in the sunscreen? Mm -hmm. I need to know those things. But it's missed opportunities for sure. But also, you all, please include your ingredients because... You're not giving away your secret sauce by disclosing right. it. If you look at any brand that is housed on the market, they are showing you their ingredient listing. Now, they're not telling you how they create the formulation. If they stir it, they mix it, they roll it, or whatever the case may be. Like Kat Williams say, 
I don't know nothing about that, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> but what I am saying, encourage mm -hmm. you all is to please include your ingredient listing. It's important. You can go and look at the Fair Packaging Label Care Act mm -hmm. to see all the requirements that should be inclusive on your packaging and ingredients is one of them. Mm -hmm. So guys, please don't think that you're getting giving away your secret sauce, you're not. Mm -hmm. You are actually doing a service to your consumers mm -hmm. to disclose that information for them to know if this is the right product for me or not. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm switching gears here a little bit. Okay. Do you love what you do? Oh, I do. I really do. Okay. That I was do. quick. You ain't have to think I ain't have to anything. Think. Yeah. Okay. What no, do you no love foolish. about it? So I like one... I'm a project manager, been project manager for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And what I love about being a project manager is the flexibility and adaptability to move into industries, mm -hmm. first thing. Second thing is seeing a product come from an idea to market is what excites me because I know a lot of effort went into development of these products, a mm -hmm. lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of tears, you mm -hmm. know, for my clients as well as me, because mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they're set up for success as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the second thing. Third thing, being able to see what their end goal in mind was and how we actually executed it and getting them through those different checkpoints to see the finished good product, whether it's on their on their site, mm -hmm. um, starting with 50 pieces or if it's 500,000 pieces mm -hmm. that's in retail, um, being able to create packaging. So fun fact, I have an undergrad in chemistry. So okay. a lot of packaging substrates and materials is what I'm good at and what I study with mm -hmm. polymer chemistry. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to my education of understanding different polymers and chemistry and the reactions of it mm -hmm. to create the packaging. So that's kind of like the nerdy geek in me. Um, but the last thing I would say is ultimately being able to educate clients mm -hmm. about this market. A lot of times we think, you know, this market is only for the big brands that we know about, right? Mm -hmm. We think that it's only for L'Oreal. We think it's only for Maybelline, CoverGirl, Estee Lauder, et cetera. But there's a lot of opportunities out here for all of us. But it goes back to education because if you want to have your products be available in different markets, different countries, how do you get there? Mm -hmm. And so being able to educate and work with my clients is what I really love doing mm -hmm. and being able to take their idea and actually help them get to that end goal eventually. So I love I love what I do. Okay. I love it. I love that. I yeah. can see it because, girl, you've been you just are going in on this product packaging, and it's you <laughs> you can tell you see the glow, you see the passion behind it. So I love that. And you were like, yes, I do. Yeah, no hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> no. So what are some things that we can expect in the future from a packaging standpoint? Like, where is the industry shifting anywhere, and if so, mm. where? Oh, such a good question. So right now, the big thing that's being talked about is sustainable packaging. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, people say, well, I want sustainable packaging. I want sustainable packaging. But the one question I ask brands is that what does sustainability mean to you? Mm. Is it only in your operations internally? Mm -hmm. Is it in reference of the packaging itself and how it's produced? Is it in reference of the product the product that's being created? So like your formulations and such that's sustainable. So using more biodegradable ingredients and you want packaging to complement that. Mm -hmm. Does it mean you want, you know, packaging that's able to be repurposed, reused, recycled? So this is something that's really big right now. And it takes a lot of education around it mm -hmm. because people think, you know, I want sustainable packaging. That's great. But do you know what sustainable packaging is? Right. Do you know the aspect of sustainable packaging and how does it relate to your brand itself mm -hmm. as well as how do you want it to resonate with your consumer? Mm -hmm. And then how are you educating your consumer 
if it's sustainable packaging, how are you educating your consumer to bring it back into the circular economy? Mm -hmm. So sustainable packaging is definitely one of those big trends. Mm -hmm. And inclusive in sustainable packaging, um, a lot of companies are looking at trying to um, incorporate more recycled plastic. So mm -hmm. all plastic is not bad. Um, but they're looking at more recycled plastics so recycled PET. That is something that's really heavily used in the packaging industry mm -hmm. um, across all industries, but especially in the health, beauty, and wellness space. Mm -hmm. It helps keep products stable. It's easier. It's more cost-effective than glass, aluminum, et cetera. Um, so understanding those things is important. But even with sustainable packaging, we're looking at how to utilize mushrooms and hemp and other materials mm -hmm. to create packaging. Higher investment because it takes a lot more to produce it. Uh, okay. But you have to understand what does it go back to your brand? Mm -hmm. What does it represent? What are the what is the brand ethos? What three words do you want it to use to describe your product mm -hmm. to the end consumer? So sustainability has always been around, but it's becoming more of a trend mm -hmm. um, because a lot more people are being becoming more conscious of mm -hmm. the type of products they buy and the packaging that is housed in. So I would say that's the first thing. But mm -hmm. second thing in reference to packaging is you know, we're all looking seeing the disruptions in supply chain right now. Not able to get products, yes. get on time and more. And so even looking at it from, you know, supply chain issue of how we actually do and execute and produce packaging within a disrupted environment. Mm -hmm. And so that goes into looking at different types of materials that can be used or substrates that can be utilized. What is, you know, how is it helping to reduce carbon emissions and the carbon footprint? So it's a lot of things happening um, rapidly in the packaging industry and a little bit more accelerated than a lot of brands can handle or absorb from an investment standpoint right now. But it is things to look at um, for sure. So mm -hmm. now we're you know, another thing is, you know, sea beauty and K beauty. So sea beauty is China beauty where you're yeah. getting products into that market. K beauty is Korean mm -hmm. beauty. So now brands are looking at how can I get my products through Tmall for China or Korea or wherever to be available. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to understanding packaging. Mm -hmm. But sustainability, sustainable packaging, excuse me, has been part of those conversations ongoing. But it's a lot more, a lot more effort and mm -hmm. a lot more things that has to go into place thinking about the big picture. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely one of the big trends in reference to packaging. Hey, real quick, it's Tara. I want to interrupt this episode to help you with something I hear from my community far too often. I get constant emails, DMs, and messages from e-commerce and product-based founders that are struggling with how to properly market their brands online for growth. Because thus far, they've posted online, they've told their friends and family, but they're not having any luck. So I decided to do something about it, and I put together a free gift for you. It's called the Profitable Marketing Playbook. Inside the playbook, you're going to learn what it takes for your brand to win online, the action steps that you need to take to create marketing campaigns that are going to get you paid. You'll even get access to the same framework that we use with my clients in order to consistently grow their visibility and sales. The playbook also includes a checklist because I know some of y'all love your checklist. And inside this checklist, it's going to show you what to spend most of your time focused on. And it will cover the metrics that you need to monitor for each of your campaigns so you know if you're getting a good return. I know that you're tired of struggling with sales and you're ready to grow your brand so you can finally experience double digit growth. So right now, I want you to go to www.profitablemarketingplaybook.com or scroll down to the show notes now to grab your free copy today. 
So you mentioned sustainability and you said it's like a buzzword now, mm -hmm. right? And so <laughs> the buzzwords come and then everybody's using them. What, and I, I just am over them, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's like sustainable. What does that mean? Like she said, what does that mean to you right. and to your brand, right? What are some of those buzzwords you want people to stop using? Okay, so sustainable, sustainable packaging. I want my, my packaging to be sustainable. Please mm -hmm. stop saying that. Because it goes back to what does sustainability mean to you and your brand? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is um, I would definitely say in reference to buzzword, I want luxury packaging. Mm. Well, what does luxury mean to you? What does that represent? What does that look like for your brand? That's where marketing, you know, comes mm -hmm. into play to really get very crystal clear about that and gain clarity. But saying you want luxury packaging what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. What does that output look like? Mm -hmm. So please, you know, I'm all for luxury packaging. The shiny, pretty things is sensory experience of packaging. Okay. But if you do not understand what luxury packaging means to you, your brand, and how it's really going to resonate with your end consumer, then you may need to reevaluate. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's another buzzword to kind of limit um, or be very intentional about how you utilize it. Um, third thing I would say in reference of... Um, buzzwords that are being talked about is thinking that it's a one-stop approach that packaging is if i bought this bottle this bottle is good across all the different channels that i'm working with mm. that is universal packaging rather and in our space working in the corporate world with health and beauty companies we know universal packaging mm -hmm. because those brands and those companies were able to support those higher quantities mm -hmm. but a lot of times with brands they think that if I'm pitching to Amazon and to Target and I get placement in both of those, that packaging may be the same across no, the board. They, they have their own specifications. Exactly. Each. Exactly. Yeah. And so understanding that and having an expert help you at the beginning of development as part of your strategic plan is important mm -hmm. to think about those things. But I would say those are a couple things, but it's a lot of buzzwords happening. I'm going to throw one in there. Vegan. Okay. Ooh. As a vegan, right? <laughs> So I'm not hating on the community. Y'all can't say I'm hating. Right. But people want to say that their brand is vegan. And I'm always like, so what? Who cares? Mm. All the vegans are not going to flock to your brand just because it does not have any ingredients from an animal source. Right. Yeah. That's that's my buzzword. I want y'all to throw away. Stop it. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. To. Yeah. I had to. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So... I want to tap into this question because I'm always, I always have a word for the year. Okay. Right. And so as you were thinking about going into this year and you know what the vision is for your business. So I'll share my word. My word is elevate. Mm. That's my word for the year. Okay. I would love to know. And it, and it's elevate for many reasons. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. Hey. Right? <laughs> that's, that's one reason. Right. And there are so many other things that are going to be coming out this year that I'm super excited about and building and growing and stretching my business. So mm. elevate is my word. I'm locked like in that. on that. Right. So I would love to know what is your word going into the year and Ooh. why? Oh, that's such a good word. Uh, good question. So a couple words come to mind, but the main one that stands out is grit. Mm. Grit really stands out for me because I'm really passionate about what I do. And you can mm -hmm. see that from our conversation today. But it takes a lot of things to get to this point and understand all the things required to produce packaging and expertise and knowledge and 
and more. But with that being stated, you know, I'm building my e-learning academy. So to help mm -hmm. those indie brands understand packaging and as part of their product development, you know, I'm working with large legacy brands and stuff, you know, doing in-house training, speaking engagements and more. But it, in order to execute all of that, you know, especially as the, the main owner and the main face of Gear Level Consulting, um, it takes a lot of grit. Mm. It takes a lot of grit. And I know where I want to go, you know, in reference of what my definition of success looks like. I know my why, which is generational wealth, um, expansion of, you know, my family, family planning. And, you know, it's, it's really important. And this is like the grassroots of mm -hmm. the beginning of something that's definitely flourishing, mm -hmm. that's definitely going to be nourishing our environment to help them grow so they can harvest, be harvested to then be able to reap the benefits of their labor as well. So I would say grit is mm. my word um, for this year because there's a lot of stuff in the works and a lot of a lot of good shit. Yeah, you know, and I'm really excited about it. But it takes a lot of grit mm -hmm. to to get there. All right, I'm going to say a word. I want you to tell me the word that pops into your head when I say it. Okay. Okay. Execution. Her. Yes, that's me, baby. <laughs> So I don't know if y'all can see you. You're probably zooming on her necklace. It says execution hey. her. Hey, what, check me out. What does that mean? What does that represent? Absolutely. So anytime people ask who I am or when I'm introducing myself, I say I'm Megan Young Gamble, the project execution her. Mm. I identify as pronouns she and her. And I'm also in the project management space, been in this space for 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to every job that I've had, even from the first job I had, which was Foot Locker. Um, that's why I'm really big into tennis shoes and kicks and stuff. Um, but even when I was working at Foot Locker, um, starting at 14 years old, excuse me, 15 years old, um, the people will always tell me you would get the job done. Regardless mm. of what it was, you would get the job done. And then when I worked in Victoria's Secrets and I worked in a research lab doing pharmacology, I told you I have a little bit of nerd in me from my background in chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, but every job that I've had, everybody has always told me, you always make it happen. You mm -hmm. always get the job done. You execute it with ease. You bring people together. You rally teams together to help with making sure everything comes to life. And so when I pivoted my business, Gill Level Consulting, I was like, what can I utilize that would set me and differentiate me in the market? Mm -hmm. And it always goes back to when people always told me, you always get shit done. You mm -hmm. always make it happen. And so execution is one of the process groups in project management. So mm -hmm. that's where you're actually executing those tasks. And that's what I'm big on mm -hmm. because you can plan all day and stuff, but it's a matter of how you execute it mm -hmm. to then help you produce the output. So that's how I got exe the project execution her because mm -hmm. I always deliver and always been told I get shit done mm -hmm. and I make it happen. Pretty I much. That. I love that. So I, I'm going to just be honest. I am not good at execution, right? Okay. But I didn't learn that until I left corporate because mm. I used to have to execute in corporate, yeah. right? And I was having a conversation this past weekend talking to some women about when you're in the corporate space, you tend to do things because you have to, not because you enjoy it, not because right. you like it. It's because, one, you're getting a check, right? And then, two, because you have to. Right. So stepping into entrepreneurship, I now realize, like you're talking about project manager, I'm hiring a project manager mm -hmm. for that reason because I know what my weakness is. Right. And I need to be able to fill that gap. Yes. So for you, because you were in corporate as well, your project manager what are some areas where you have gaps in your business that you fill in with other people oh such a good question so in reference of like operating the business um branding marketing 
Like I know the aspects of marketing, mm -hmm. but that is not my strength. That's not my skill set. Nor I stick to the rivers and the lakes I'm used to, which is packaging <laughs> and project management, pretty much. Not but, the TLC. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, just had to do that little dance real quick because y'all yeah. know how it goes. Um, but branding and marketing, like I understand the inputs of it, but that's where I bring the experts such as mm -hmm. yourself and anybody else to the table because they know how to execute those tasks mm -hmm. in things. Um, production, you know, in development of a product, you usually have what's called your production manager where they're helping to oversee the production and capturing all the inputs and requirement at those contract manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So working alongside of them, you know, is important because they have certain questions they have to think through as part of the overall goal to help execute it. Graphic designers, I cannot draw a stick figure. And okay? she ain't in Canva either, so, right. <laughs> no, no. Okay, that's because that's a whole nother topic. It. Right, okay. that's Yeah. Girl, we getting off topic. Let's just say, if you, if you are only designing in Canva, please, please invest into a graphic designer, mm -hmm. okay? That's working on Adobe Illustrator, InDesign, something of that source, because that is what you have to submit to printers for production, as well as packaging suppliers and printers as well. So please invest into a graphic designer. But nevertheless, mm -hmm. graphic designer, I have to you know bring into the picture to execute the design on product packaging. That is not my strength, not my mm -hmm. forte. Don't even want to learn how to do it. You can mm -hmm. barely draw a stick figure, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of different people that come to the table. Financials, so a CFO, um, understanding the finances to create the product mm -hmm. as well as the investment. I talked about graphic design, I talked about production manager, talked about branding, marketing. Sometimes you may need a business coach mm -hmm. to come into the play to make sure and, and help you get clarity about your business mm -hmm. to help make sure that it aligns with that end goal. So those are just some of the experts, but I, even on my team, I have a packaging engineer. So mm -hmm. we actually collaborate on the different inputs and testing and things we need to think about. Um, for a lot of aspects mm -hmm. to produce it. I have a logistics specialist that mm -hmm. works with me to understand the logistic model. So if it's forward logistics, getting the product from, for instance, getting it from the brand to the consumer, mm -hmm. that's forward logistics. But if you offer returns where the consumer ships it back to you, that's reverse logistics. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that strategy is important. Um, even a fulfillment center. Mm -hmm. So a lot of brands are thinking about, you know, utilizing fulfillment centers to deliver their products to the different markets or their consumers, but they don't know where to go, where to, where they're located, or even the questions to be asking mm. as part of fulfillment. So it's a lot of experts that I bring to the table and that's not including the cosmetic chemists and the contract right. manufacturers that I work with. Um, but it's a lot of parties that come to the table and we all have a seat there, mm -hmm. you know, because it's money out here for all of us mm -hmm. in this field, mm -hmm. you know, but it definitely takes, more it takes a village mm -hmm. to help produce a lot of things but it definitely definitely requires a team so basically it. you're saying you could not do this on your own no right no and then two this is a lesson for everyone in entrepreneurship right i know many of you may have started out on your own solopreneur mm -hmm. but if you think about the end goal in mind right. You have to think about who you're investing in, who you're having mm -hmm. as a part of your team, because she's talking about just packaging and fulfillment, right? She's not even talking about marketing and operations and exactly. all the other aspects of business. Just hearing all of those yeah. people that you work with to execute packaging is blowing my mind. Yeah. And that's why I don't like packaging. Like, I don't <laughs> like, you know, I don't like all that product development stuff, but that's your lane, right? That's my and lane. Like, you love it. Yeah. So... 
I got somebody that loves it, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And see, I don't yeah. like the marketing game, but see, right. that's where and you so, come in. Right. You Precisely. Know? So we stay in our lane. Exactly. Right? That's why we stick to the rivers and the lakes that we used to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, second to last question, maybe okay. we'll see. I got some more questions. All right. I'm going to ask you. About your marketing, your money, and your mindset. So you know you're on the Stacking M's podcast where mm-hmm. we focus on those three things. I want you to rate it from one to ten. Okay. Right? How do you feel about your marketing? How do I feel about my marketing? Mm-hmm. Oh, probably a six. Okay. Your money? Money, ten. Okay. Your mindset? At eleven now. Oh, you at eleven? It took a lot of time to get here. Oh, let's, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah. How did you get there? First of all, where are you? And then how did you get there? So it took a lot of maturity, a lot Mm. of therapy, a lot of self-awareness, so emotional intelligence to to recognize my own flaws and areas that I needed help with. Mm. And I realized that I was bringing a lot of trauma, you know, baggage and stuff like that into how I operated for my business. A lot of things from corporate life that I experienced, I was bringing into my business and I didn't realize it Mm. and didn't realize the trauma that it had on me either. Mm -hmm. So when I started my business and pivoted my business in COVID, I was probably at a four Mm. because of all the stuff going on in the world, trauma from corporate, thinking that I had to do the same stuff that was at corporate in my business Mm. that did not work. Mm -hmm. But then even outside of business, personally, I had unresolved trauma you know, that I had to work through and really recognize too, Mm -hmm. that I cannot do this on my own. Mm -hmm. I've I've reached my plateau of being able to manage it and control it on my own. I need Mm -hmm. some assistance. Mm -hmm. And that assistance involved therapy. It involved being around like-minded women Mm -hmm. who understand and going through the same thing and trying to make a difference, Um, not only in their personal lives, but also in their business and their family dynamics. Family dynamics is a big one, Mm -hmm. you know, too. Um, and then also having a really good support system, mm-hmm. realizing that everybody that you that say your friend is really not your friend. Mm. They really don't. Some people really don't have your back and really don't want you to succeed. And that's cool. But that's where I had to realize and do my friend audit to realize everybody has a place. What's a friend audit? So if you have not read the book or the audio book, um, We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers, mm-hmm. please listen to that. It's such a game changer. Um, And one of my business sisters actually put me onto that book. Mm -hmm. But she talks about doing a friend audit where you actually write down all of your friends, connections, contacts, acquaintances, et cetera, and you determine who is actually in alignment with your success and where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. And then you're also going to assess, okay, based upon that friend audit, who is actually going to be good for just a hangout crew? If I want to go to brunch, kick it here in the ATL or whatever, I have that group. Mm -hmm. If I know I want to be focused on speaking and pitching and things like that, and I'm hungry and I got that group. And I'm all about grit and I'm like mm-hmm. hitting the pavement. I know I have that group of people such mm-hmm. as you, mm-hmm. you know, so understanding that friend audit and being able to separate them yeah. based upon the need. But where I'm trying to go, I need people to align with that. Yeah. And I realized even with my friend audit that everybody, everybody's dealing with something. Right. Yes. And even when everybody's dealing with something, I still have the power to say, I want to move forward with this in mm-hmm. my own life. So understanding that I had to, you know, recognize and appreciate that they're going through their thing and they need time. Mm-hmm. But I also have to make sure that I'm doing things for my own time too. That's about my wellness, my growth, mm-hmm. and also helping me change my mindset. What was it? Was it a particular point that happened in entrepreneurship? Was it a breakdown? Was it 
somebody said something to you like, look, you wildin', that made <laughs> you, you know, realize that you needed to get that help? So I'll be honest, it really started, it really started around George Floyd. Mm. I would say that in, sorry, I can get emotional about this, but I went to the ER for like severe panic attack, anxiety. Mm. And at that time I was dealing with a lot of shit, mm. a lot of shit. You know, the world was shut down from COVID. So we all figuring out how to navigate this life. Then seeing Ahmaud Aubrey, then George Floyd, and then thinking about people I grew up with back home in Little Rock mm -hmm. that could have it could have been them at a much mm -hmm. earlier age because of the environment that I grew up in and the school system, the environment. So it really started there. And I was also transitioning out of corporate mm -hmm. too. So a lot of toxicity and the things that I dealt with mm -hmm. in, the, in the corporate world impacted me, mm -hmm. which was then rolling over into my marriage, rolling mm -hmm. over into my relationships with family, mm -hmm. rolling over into how I treated myself. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, at times I was like, I don't think I'm worthy enough for certain things. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of things to really bring that around full circle. Mm -hmm. So it was a friend at that time that was like, you know, if you're not going to therapy because everything was shut down, of course, um, look into therapy for black girls. Mm -hmm. Start there and let's find you a good therapist. Mm -hmm. So I invested into that and it's definitely helped me really. Mm -hmm. But I would say that point was when I was starting my pivoting my business, transitioning out of corporate world, dealing mm -hmm. with trauma and really figuring out myself in this mm -hmm. new space to really pivot my mindset. But that's why I'm like, now I'm at 11 because now I could tell you, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to do this. My boundaries are set. My friend mm -hmm. audit list is solid, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. my, my household is good. We're happy. We're stable. I have a good support system. Mm -hmm. And my support system, really, my main support system is five people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we think we have to have this massive support group. And you don't. You just need a solid crew. Yeah. I need just that handful. Yep. You know, and they've been the ones who really help hold me, mm -hmm. hold me up and help me understand what I'm worthy of mm -hmm. and, and definitely help me to re reposition my thinking mm -hmm. about it from a mindset perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sorry, y'all can hear my voice kind of crackling, Girl, but no, you know, but y'all can, you could tell that it took a lot of work. So mm -hmm. for those of you who are out there going through the same shit, know that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you're investing time and energy into yourself mm -hmm. and know that you are worthy and you're going to make it on the upside. And this is going to be your testimony on the other side of it. So you're going through a test. It's some rain. It's some shit you're going to deal with. And we've all taken detours to get to where we're at. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, as long as you make it, you can give your testimony. Yes. And that's going to help elevate your mindset for sure. Yeah. So hearing you talk about that and your transitions, we were going through trans the same transition at the same time. Oh, wow. I, I never work on my birthday in corporate, um, but I was on vacation and I was set to go back to work. And of course, you know, CEOs were speaking out and making statements and things like that. And I remember the CEO at the company I was working for at the time said nothing. Mm. I damn near lost it. And I told yeah. my husband, I was like, nope, I have to say something and I'm not going back to work. Yeah. And I did not go back to work. Good for you. And so that was the transition point for me. I like, you know, I always knew I wanted to be in entrepreneurship. I was already doing this on the side and bartering services and things like that, like not really getting fully paid for it. But that was the transition point for me where it was like enough is enough. Mm -hmm. So I feel you. And that was such a tough time. It you was. know, it was very heavy with just everything that was going on. Yeah. So I'm glad that you were able to 
get help. Therapy, I got my therapist off therapy for black girls too, mm -hmm. my first therapist. So yeah. yes, yeah, that was very powerful. So tap into that if you are looking for a therapist, therapyforblackgirls.com. They also have a podcast as well. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. All right. So mindset. I'm glad we covered that. I'm glad you added 11. Um, marketing. Did you say six? Yes, I said six. I'll be honest. What's going on? Okay. So, okay. So packaging, I can create all the shiny, pretty things. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes... Oh, so remember I told y'all marketing is not, is not my, is not my, is not my lane, mm -hmm. you know? So I know how to execute marketing in certain aspects of my business, but with the different audiences that I serve, mm -hmm. sometimes for me, if I do it as a solopreneur, it becomes overwhelming. So then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back. I'm just not going to do this. Well, you know what? Maybe I don't. So it starts to get that imposter syndrome starts mm -hmm. to kick in and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back. Mm -hmm. So and, and realizing, too, that, you know, as a solopreneur, you cannot do everything either. Right. You know, so that's why I said it's a six right now, because I'm actually going to be hiring somebody to help me with it. Nice. Um, to execute a little bit better, because I know what I'm trying to do. And that's mm -hmm. where that grit comes in. Mm -hmm. But it's also being able to be aware mm -hmm. that that's not my strength. Mm -hmm. And so overall, I would say a six. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I feel like my systems are good and everything like that. But my storytelling could mm -hmm. be, you know, honed in and perfected a little bit mm -hmm. more. I think I'm pretty good, but, you know, it's always areas of improvement. Right. And I recognize that. Okay. So that's why I said it's about a six. So a lot of areas of improvement mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm representing and telling the art and marketing properly mm -hmm. for my business, my e-learning academy, and more. So mm -hmm. a lot of areas, but that's Got why it's, I, packaging is my lane. Got it. And then your <laughs> money's a 10, so you, you ching-chinging over here. You know, it's like, you know, we could always want more dollar dollar bills, okay, you know. So you're always so. accepting new clients. You're not at capacity oh, yeah. or anything like that. So I'm always accepting new clients. Okay. And just to kind of talk you briefly of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So we always have a one-on-one -on -one conversation to understand where you're trying to go, mm -hmm. your end goal in mind, um, where you want, want to have your products be placed. And then we go through, you know, some fact-finding questions. And it's a, it's a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. I always tell people when those sessions occur, it's not just me asking you questions. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be the case. I really want you to be driving the conversation because it gives me an opportunity to listen. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather listen to what you're trying to do instead of me just talking and you're like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so we go through the one-on-one -on -one sessions and we talk about, you know, overall what your game plan is, what you want to do and how we can help you. Mm -hmm. And we work through the strategic plan aspect. We help with project management of your products. We help with sourcing, procurement, um, with contract manufacturers, and we also help with the operations nice. aspect of it. So we go through and talk through where we can definitely help serve and mm -hmm. add value to you and give you time back for you um, in reference of your brand. So you can mm -hmm. fo focus on marketing, building, growing, pitching, whatever the case may be of your brand, while me and my team handle the execution aspect of it. Got it. So we are always accepting new clients. So always holler at us. We can definitely help you with Tell that. Tell the people where they can find you. Oh, y'all can come find the Project Execution Her at my website, getlevelconsulting.com. If you're also looking for DIY courses and trainings, then you can go to accelerateleveinstitute.com where we have all the tools you need to help you with your packaging and product development needs. So all of that information will be in the show notes. Megan, it has been a pleasure. Yes, I feel like we you. could just talk for like hours. Yeah, we could. Um, we really could. I got the flag, like y'all going a little long here. So oh, we, uh, we had a flag. Girl, <laughs> look, I missed the flag. Okay. But listen, I really appreciate yes, you being here you. on the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, y'all, I hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye.